she's gonna ride for her man, yes. But like even he doesn't make the the smartest decisions. She doesn't stand by them just because she makes she's not she's not gonna follow her okay, him around. Not. <laughs> not. I feel like you're about to say a name. No, I'm just saying you're you know, about to say a name right there and like you just kinda of stop yourself. <laughs> Who is she not like? <laughs> you know, she's not like What's up? What's up? What's up? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, um, oh, it's very hot here in the district today. It's like 93 degrees. Yeah. And if anybody knows anything about DC summers, it's like a swamp. So, got that going for us today. But whatever, whatever. Hello, everybody else. Welcome back to <laughs> another relaunch. Uh, I'm Keenan. What's up, y'all? I am LZ. And how are you? What's like going on in LA? Are you guys still on lockdown? Have you got your second shot yet? Are you almost there? What's happening? So I just got my second shot um, okay. two days ago. I haven't had any kind of like, uh, you know, wild experiences right now or anything like that. My arm was yeah. a little sore afterwards, okay. but like, expect it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna give it the you know the two weeks that you're supposed to give it. All right. Never, but <laughs> it's also the pop in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with it. Yeah. And speaking of popping, let's go ahead. Let's get into these comics of the week. So first up on our list, we have Nightwing number what is this? Eighty. Nightwing yeah. eighty from Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. Shout out to Nightwing for getting the eighty issues too. Is that like a first time for him? Is this something he does on a regular? Uh, this is not something he does on the regular, so shout out to him <laughs> for going this far. And um, I really enjoyed this issue. I have to say, um, Tim Drake's dance, rise up, because we got one in this one. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Is uh, makes a cameo in this book, uh, because, you know, as it, I previously said in issue 79 there's this villain who's been stealing hearts of people and leaving these kids homeless yeah and uh nightwing is in need of some assistance so he says i need my brother and who and who comes but tim drake and uh nightwing talks about how tim is the best robin and like that's (laughs) and like he's like i totally get it and because tim is just he makes a good Robin. Um, and he comes in and helps him out. They kind of figure out, they have a whole talk about the the case and everything. Uh, Nightwing feels really guilty about what has happened because in the previous issue, he helped this homeless man have a, a night in a hotel. He like paid for him to have a night in a hotel with him and his kid. And before the man got to the hotel, he got attacked and had his heart stolen. And... Um, Nightwing is very compassionate, and so he feels really guilty about this. Whereas, um, you know, uh, Tim is very like logical and but empathetic, so he he feels for. Yeah, he's trying to be there for him. He's trying to be there for him. Yeah. So they like are basically getting to the camp, and Nightwing tells him, "I don't need Robin. I need Tim Drake. So I need you to like, cause you're good with kids. So like, I'd rather you go in there 
and see if you can like work with these kids because all these kids have their parents' hearts stolen. They've kind of created this whole like town for themselves with these like tents in yeah. Bloodhaven. So they have this whole like little community. Tim Drake kind of gets in there, talks to the kids. He they bring the puppy that he had before, um, Harley. Um oh. hey, I'm sorry, Haley. Uh, you know, like Haley Circus, the circus that uh Nightwind uh, was a part of. <laughs> yeah. <I thought laughs> that. Um so yeah, it was a great issue. You get a little bit of a, some action in it. Electrocutioner shows up and uh brutal. Mm-hmm. They've been like contracted to like, I don't know, attack the kids for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh Nightwing ends up taking them out, and then we at the end of this we see the heartless man is is showing up into this town with the kids. So great issue. Art is amazing by Bruno Redondo, like yeah. Stellar. <laughs> I, I love, I love that guy. He's yeah, great. amazing stuff. There's a really cool fight scene with um, Nightwing and Robin, Tim Drake, where mm-hmm. they just have such a like synchronized way of fighting with each other that it's really, really cool to see. Um, you know, Nightwing throws him the staff and they like swing with each other and fight with it. It's really cool. Uh, so yeah, great issue. I would honestly give this a. 3.5 out of 5? Maybe a 4? Okay. Okay. Why the hesitation of a 4? Um, I would have liked it to have just a little bit more story about mm. the Heartless stuff versus mm. the setup to them getting to the the, the town of where these kids were. Okay. Otherwise, would have gotten definitely a 4. Alright. Alright. 3.5 out of 5. Shout out to them. All right, uh, so next up on the list, we have Justice League number 61 from Brian Michael Bendis and Dave Marquez. There's also a JLD backup from Ram V and Zermico. And I'm going to be honest with you. If it wasn't for this Justice League dark backup, I would probably drop this book. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't know if you remember. So at the end of the last issue, the team ended up in Naomi's home dimension. So as soon as we get there, like, the team is completely separated. Everybody's on their own. People's powers are acting up a little bit differently. Like, Black Canary runs into some goons there, and she uses her sonic scream on them, and it's, like, very, very powerful. And she even makes a point to note, like, oh, wow, that's never happened before. Um, Green Arrow is, like, somewhere else. People were playing with his arrows, and that doesn't go well for them. Superman can't control his heat vision. Naomi, I don't really, again, we don't know what Naomi's powers are. I realized I think this character has now existed for two years, and I really can't tell anything about her and what she can do. Are they like? Aren't they like light? It's something something? something to do with light. But that's so like that's the thing. So she actually there's this part in the book she's like calling for Superman, and Batman uh, finds her, and her hands are just glowing. And she's like she's freaking out about it. She's like, "What's happening?" He's like, "Oh, has that ever happened to you before?" She's like, "No." And then they just kind of like he's like, "Well, tell me if it happens again." And he's like, okay. and she's like, I don't know. I'm still just figuring it out. And Batman even says something to her like to that effect. He's like, you know, these are new. You don't really know what you can do. And I'm like, I don't think anybody knows what she can do. But <laughs> um, the Bendis speak is also speaking very loudly in this okay. issue. Yeah. Loudly. Yeah. Very loudly. Um, that was why I had to end up getting off of Legion of Superheroes because the Bendis talk was like. Nobody would. You could put anybody in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the Bendis the speak is speaking here. Um, so that's also a thing. 
and it and it just doesn't like and it works for some characters like i really actually do enjoy his superman i think like it's a nice kind of earnest view we i think the villain of the story brutus who is apparently supposed to be looking for naomi or um trying to basically take over earth so they can bring the people from her dead dimension to uh planet earth and live there instead and he's like okay he sees that superman and all of them are there and he's like oh you know I was going to have to go back and get you guys, but you all came here. I'm more powerful here, apparently. So he beats down Superman. Black Adam comes in. He tries to help. He beats down Black Adam. And so the issue oh. ends. Yeah, so the issue ends with, like, the rest of the league. Black Canary, Green Arrow, Naomi, Hawkgirl, who is, like, talking about how she feels great. She's almost tipsy. Because, again, the planet is affecting them in different ways. Um, they're left to stand off against him. And that's that's all they got against him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aquaman is also in this issue. Um, <laughs> he is also on the team. Literally, his page, literally his page is like him. I don't know. He's like drooling. He's like muttering some nonsense. Um, and then he passes out, and somebody walks over top of him, and like that's all we see of him in this issue. Okay. What happened with Aquaman? Is he like MIA right now? No, um, he his 80 year anniversary is this year, and so in August they're gonna have a hundred page special that comes out that's gonna have like a bunch of different writers on it. Okay, that's nice. Um, but we don't have like a book or anything, so. Oh, maybe they'll announce the solo for at the 80th. We'll see. It's weird that he wouldn't have a book out. Right? That's like so odd. Hmm. But nonetheless, that issue in the JOD backup starts, and that's really good. Again, shout out to Ram V. It's like official. I'm Stan. <laughs> okay. He just, and again, and we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get some of the other stuff he wrote today, because he wrote a couple books that came out this week. Um, he just, he tells, he's telling so many different stories across so many different, like, genres of this medium. Like, we've got fantasy, we've got horror, we've got, like, some uh, thriller action stuff. And all the characters still feel extremely unique. The stories are distinct. Like, I don't really feel like I'm reading the same book. I don't feel like I'm reading a book by the same man. It's okay. just like, it's he, it's great. And so this is kind of like the magic story that he's been telling with it. It's really fun. Ragman actually appears in this issue. He's like kind of joining up with the team now. He's fighting these monsters and stuff. Merlin is looking for a book to basically help him restore himself to power. And so the team is tracking him throughout. Again, Zaytana's going through some, like, confidence issues right now. I don't know what that's about. All my girls got confidence. What's up? Your girls are down I, bad right now. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Like, there's, like, after they fight, like, Constantine tells her something about how she can, um like, clean up the mess and, like, do everything that needs to be done. And she's like, I don't know. No, John, you know I can't do that. He's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> He's like... He like legit asked him, he's like, I don't know what's holding you back. He's like, but you need to get your life together. Um, so I don't know what's happening there. But everything else in the story is like super interesting. Um, I would give the main Justice League story a three out of five. And really it only gets a three because of Dave Marquez. Like his art is carrying <laughs> his this His art book. is amazing, yeah. His art is carrying this book. Everybody looks good. Everybody feels great. I mean, like, feels great in like how they move, I guess. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, the story, no. Um, the JLD backup, I'll give that like a 3.5 out of 5. It's just very short. So it's like, and he can only tell it so much. So when you're reading this one, like there are parts where you get kind of really groped into and then it has to cut off. 
So it's like, oh, this should have just been a book. Yeah. I wonder what they're doing with all that. Are they doing anything with the magic characters? Or do you think they'll build towards a solo book? I don't know. I mean, Justice League Dark is kind of weird. Like, it's had, like, I, I've always felt the runs it had were successful. Um, that's why there were so many. But I don't know. I don't mm. know why I'm doing this, like, backup thing. Hmm. Well, next up on our list, we have Catwoman31. It gets again from Ran V. And we have art from Blanca. Now, first of all, the art in this is banging. I'm a fan of this artist for real. Okay. Um, the story itself. Are you are you reading Catwoman? I'm not yet. Okay. I was I was in the beginning, uh, be, but then I dropped off of it because I just got really busy. <laughs> but I'm gonna I wanna go jump back in. So basically, in this one, um, <laughs> the last issue, Selena found out that some people had kidnapped Poison Ivy. And they, like, had her locked up. So she is goes to the place to rescue Poison Ivy. And so the first half of the story is kind of like a little bit of a heist story. She's telling the guy basically how they stole Poison Ivy from out of the auction right underneath their noses. Like, she's using the kids who live in Alleytown, which is, like, the town she owns now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, like, has them acting as, like, waiters and servers and stuff at this little party or that they're at. And, like, they uh, end up getting Ivy out of her tube. But, like, she's really messed up. They've done something to her body, so she kind of seems a little infantile. But she's also, like, extremely empathetic. Like, when she talks to Selena, she gives her a hug, and she's like, oh, I can feel that you're sad or that you have a broken heart right now. She's like, where's the bat? Some stuff like that, which is, like, really nice. Um, I like the Selena Ivy friendship a lot. And we don't, I, I personally feel like it's one we don't see too often. We typically no, we see don't. floating between those two a lot more than we do them just together. So I was like, oh, this is fun to see. Um, I'm trying to think, like, it's great. The I need to jump half, into this because Celine my girl. <laughs> and I like, need to definitely jump into this. It's good. And so like in the second half of the book, there's this other guy who's basically trying to take over however much of the town he's like getting the gcpd to do all this stuff and like clear all the riffraff out so he sends this assassin to go and find selena and ivy he's like kill them the guy who was leading the auction actually killed himself because he didn't want to have to answer to this dude oh okay oh he real bad okay (laughs) his name's uh, simon saint so he's like scary um and the assassin, I don't know if you remember from the issue I told you about, that had the honeycomb design with the Oh, hood. yeah. Yeah, the yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. She's the assassin, so she's coming oh, back. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah, well, I got to yeah. get into this there. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, really exciting. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a good book. Um, there's also a person who's kind of, like, mysterious who, like, helps, who's been helping Selena out from the shadows. And she does, she asks him, she's like, you know, people tend to help, they even need something, or they're, like, a friend. You never know who you can trust. She's like, so what I do I trust you? Can I trust you? But when she looks behind her, he's gone. So it's a mystery right there. Mm. But it's okay. good. Um, four out of five. This is, yeah. That's high. Okay. This is, this is a good book. This is a good book. Um, next up on the list. Oh, we had a new number one. Uh, Wonder Girl, number one, featuring Miss Yara, making her official DC debut after Future State, and it is both written and drawn by Joelle Jones. Yes, yes. I definitely checked this out because I was a fan of uh, Miss Yara and yes. the Future State. And the <laughs> I I like this issue. Um, okay. Okay, first and foremost, like, 
right off the top just to get it out of the way. Joel Jones, the art is like, mm. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. There's no doubt in my mind that if I get a Joel Jones book, that it's like not gonna look good. It's gonna look amazing. Yes. You could mm-hmm. tell, like, and, and, and you could tell that she, like, knows you know her art is good. <laughs> she, like, <laughs> she's like, I know this looks good, and I know you know this looks good, so I'm gonna make it look even better. And it's just like, yeah. That's yeah. my kind of flex. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Talk your shit. Um, <laughs> I, the entire opening scene with these, like, Amazons from the Amazon, I'm assuming, in Brazil, uh, yeah. and them fighting this god who I assume is Ares. So, yeah, I was thinking it was either Ares or Hades. Yeah. It didn't really, I guess it probably didn't really, really matter because we the point of that was to see just how, like, tough Yara has been since she was a kid. So, I mean, she can get killed. She's kind of stupid, too. That, too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nasty you know, reckless. <laughs> reckless. <It's> a, yeah. <laughs> She's she's definitely a, um, a little bit of a, a reckless one. Uh, but I thought this was a pretty good first issue. You really set up, you know, who the... That, that, that the the presence of Yara has kind of shifted things. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you see how, like, her debut and kind of being awakened, I guess you can kind of call it, has been, impacted the entire, like, Amazon culture. And... Yeah. and and all the other Amazons there. So you get uh, on Themyscira, Queen um, Nubia. Damn, <laughs> you know, she she fits the brand. She does. She, she does the brand. She fits she the does. brand. She's yeah. getting it. Yeah, I do like Nubia a lot. Um, I liked her in that Future State books that she was having there. Uh, there were a little bit of some millennial speak in there that I didn't really uh, <laughs> enjoy, if you will. Uh, but I I wouldn't mind seeing some more Nubia because I mean damn she was she was giving in this she was giving the tiara with the braids and then um I told you you know she was in the uh, Asian festival with the Trinity that's like, right yes yes she's moving on out <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at it um and then we get uh some Mount Olympus stuff and we see uh I forget which goddess it was Hera. Yeah, Hera is reacting to Yara as well as uh, we see the uh, Banna Migdal, which yes. are the like more, <laughs> what's the word I want to use? Not murderous, but like. You know, they are the Amazons are a little bit more about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's where Artemis is from. And um, Grace Choi. Oh, I don't she know. Also, yeah, she got that. That was something they revealed in the Outsiders is that she's got some heritage in there as well. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I like the band of McDonald's. <laughs> and yeah. they we, look good. They look real good. <laughs> Veruga, the the one, the little, the panel of her where they had like the first page of just them and she was sitting on the throne and it had the other two with the guns and the afros above her. I was yeah. like, these are my kind of girls. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, yeah, I was like, these are my kind of girls. I like yeah. that. If this is going to be a lot of this, where they're mixing all of these different, like, Amazonian cultures, I think I'm going to really enjoy 
uh, Wonder Girl. Um, yeah, so yeah, I thought this was a great first issue. We again see Yara. She's like going to Brazil to go in just to go and see it because no one's ever really letting her go and see it, even though she's from there. She gets there, and of course, you know, things go the wrong way because that's how comic books work. And she ends up getting taken by a mermaid. <laughs> so, right. I thought this was a very great first issue. I'm giving it a four out of five. What did you think? Okay. Um, I agree that I thought the art was like extremely beautiful. I do think that the story was lacking a little bit. I like what you said about, you know, kind of mixing the different Amazonian heritage and like getting all of them. I also agree with that. Um, I do kind of wish I would have had a little bit more meat to the story. Again, like Joelle Jones' art is beautiful and you can tell that she puts a lot of work into the placements, but I kind of feel like the looming disaster, I didn't really feel the weight of it. Okay. Um, you know, everyone's saying like, oh, something's happening, something's happening. And it's just like, okay, well, what's happening? (laughs) 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 It's just like, are there like things blowing up? Like, are are people just like suddenly combusting? Like what's going on? We just know like something's happening. Um, And they're just walking around like, I feel it. Like things are changing, something's happening. And it's again, cool, but what? (laughs) Uh, So, but again, it's the first issue, so. I'm going to see it through through this first arc. Absolutely. I've said it before. Joe, this is the Joelle Jones Stan account. Um, she will always get the support from me and my coin. So I'm here. I'd probably rate it like a 3.5 out of 5. The story seems intriguing of what it could be, of what we're going on. Again, mixing the different ones. I like the art out of this world. I just want a little bit more. Yeah. All right, but so next I'll be going over to the Marvel side for a little bit, and we've got Heroes Reborn number three. Now, first of all, I just realized, I didn't realize, I don't know if I said last week, I didn't realize this was a weekly series. Um, Oh, I didn't realize that either, I guess, until right now. (laughs) Yeah, like, no, that's what made me realize. I was like, oh, I'm on issue three. I'm like, I've read this every week. So I was like, okay, I'm into it, though. This book is so good. If you say so. <laughs> so let me tell you. So this issue is all about the Squadron Supreme member Blur. We have a guest artist, um, Federico Vicentini. Like, he actually drew the Captain America and Winter Soldier book that I was reading. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has art very similar to Matteo Scalera. Like, that's who his style kind of reminds me of. Like, it looks fantastic. Like, the movement's fantastic. His backgrounds are fantastic. Like, the characters are kinetic. And it was perfect for this one that he had. He has the Squadron Supreme member, Blur. And he's, like, the super fast one. So he shows him, like, running through all these different things. Blur is interesting because imagine kind of a mix of The Flash, Mm. Doctor Strange, and, like, Iron Fist. (laughs) <laughs> okay and so personality like, okay and like a little bit of everything so he is okay. like this rich white guy he can fight he's like he has super speed and he can like run through dimensions and like vibrate himself super fast run back and forth through time things like that but it's also like all mystical based so he has like these magic aspects to him as well there's um scene so he's his villain in this story is the white witch and she is Scarlet Witch with Quicksilver's powers and her own. 
So she has like these super fast hexes that run. <laughs> oh, okay. That run at, like, uh, she's like, she's like, you know, how are you gonna catch like? Uh, she's like, how? so there's she's like chasing him. So because I guess basically Blur died. I mean, Quicksilver died when he was fighting Blur, and so Wanda did something where she absorbed Pietro and like got his abilities. So she's like running at him super fast. She's like creating these little like magic chain weapons. She steals his soul out of him, and she's like, you know, I've got your soul. She's like, so as long as you're like separated from this after a certain amount of time, like you're gonna fade away and die. And so he's like chasing after her, and it's like crazy. And it's like it just again the guy's art. It looks so good. So it's okay. like you're just stuff and it's like yeah this is given like this is like pure superhero fun and it's like i love it um so eventually blur he kind of like catches up to wanda and she's like you know you're about to die she's like she's given she's like standing there calling him an arrogant pig telling him like she's like die scum <laughs> <laughs> She's like going off. She's like, you know, the world's gonna be a better place without you. So, <laughs> right? I, and you know, she, she her outfit is green. So when the uh, character thing first got uh, revealed from Marvel, I actually thought she was gonna be like a mix of Wanda and Enchantress. I thought that too. But she's Wanda and Pietro, which is a little bit more fun, obviously. Um, so he does like something about like a meditation and that's where we kind of see his, the character's mystic roots and he uh like talks about like you know i know this is i've read every book on magic i know i've got to do this and the guy's like you need to like just sit down and like stay still so he has to look at this flower for like 17 days and that reminds him about his you know just his resolve mm -hmm. and he does whatever he needs to do he beats wanda sends her back to prison that's learning about the blur. And so then the second part of the story, we return to, again, the heroes, the Avengers, who are going to basically undo this universe. And it's Blade and Steve Rogers. And we finally run back into Miss Echo. Miss Maya, I'm sorry. Oh, she's, the Phoenix. She's, yeah, she's <laughs> the Phoenix. Um, and McGinnis is still drawing this part of the story. But like we see her, apparently when she woke up in this universe, she was like in prison. And she doesn't really remember anything, but she knows that the world she's living in is currently wrong. But she's, like, using her phoenix powers to kind of stop the inmates of the prison from, like, killing each other and things like that. Um, and then Blade and Steve, like, come find her in the prison, and they're like, we're going to need your help because you are the phoenix and like she's like you know the phoenix there's this whole monologue about how the phoenix is destruction and that's why she's staying because like she has to be like a savior and the phoenix will go do this and that and blah 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 so but they're like the phoenix burns away worlds and they're like we need this world burned away <laughs> <laughs> they're like Make so, useful, <laughs> so they're like so you get kind of need to come with us so um Already, this team of Avengers is probably the best one I've ever seen. It's got Steve Rogers, it's got Blade, it's got Echo, and then they're going to run into Thor because his god power is activated in issue two. Well, this is a team. Did you make this team? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I just, you know, it's just like, this is good stuff. It okay. looks good. And do you it's feel like fun. it's starting to reach like a pretty good like climax? Okay, are you starting to see like where it's heading? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's. I feel like we kind of know what's where it's heading. I feel like it's got that basic Elseworld story. You know, everything's gonna go back to normal. We'll probably get the Squadron Supreme in the main Marvel six one six universe, and they'll just like exist there. Um, are you and, them? 
Like, I, is this turning you into a fan of like the Squadron Supreme? So I wouldn't say fan. Like, I don't think I would read like a book about the Squadron Supreme, but I am not opposed to like reading them in something like this. Okay. Um, or like when they'll if they were like to guest appear in a book, I'd be like, oh, like it's the Squadron Supreme. They're cool. But um, maybe Blur. I don't know. This issue was kind of given. <laughs> <laughs> like. He was like, it was pretty cool. You know, I don't like speedsters like that. Oh, and so that's actually one of the things, like, uh, when uh, when the White Witch and Blur are fighting, she, like, says something to him. She goes, no more speed. And so he, like, loses his super speed. I was like, oh, that's cute. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, that's fine. Um, so we do, I didn't, again, like, it's all leading to something called Heroes Reborn. No, no, no. Heroes Return. Because this is oh, Heroes, okay. Heroes Return is after this, and that's, like, going to be the new Avengers and all that stuff. So, um, I give this issue, I guess, like a 3.5 out of 5. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Um, next up on our list, Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe number one. Another new number one. We had, yeah, I think we had, no, I think that was only two number ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you read this? I did not know. Okay. I so. I liked the um the mini that he had before, um, but I wasn't okay. sure if I wanted to get into the an ongoing. Uh, so this is Jing Lu Yang, and the the art is by Dr. Rowan again. So they were also the people who worked on the miniseries together. Um, so it's like it's fine. Like so, basically the premise of the story is Shang Chi is kind of getting into his role as the new com- uh cement. Commander, <laughs> Commander Supreme of the uh, organization that his dad used to run, and they were like criminals beforehand. So he's trying to use them as a way to reform. His sister, Sister Dagger, is like running around with him, stopping bad guys, and she's kind of saying, "You know, you are not really like into this the way you should be." Shang Chi is on a date with some girl. She's like, "You know, you're going on dates. You're turning your phones off." She's like, "We need to be doing things and like getting this organization under control and like." making a difference or doing whatever it is you need to do and shang chi's like oh no <laughs> i can <do> it. <laughs> he's like he's like no i gotta have a life like i'm gonna go on dates so while they're trying to stop the bad guy they actually run into spider-man and oh. shang chi is very apprehensive about like working with spider-man because spider-man's basically like oh i'm looking for like this drug trafficking ring they're like oh we're looking for like an armor organization i mean not armor but like a weapons ring so he's like oh well let's team up and shang chi's like oh no let's not (laughs) because shang chi doesn't want spider-man to basically realize that he's in charge of this organization right now and so it's a little secret yeah nobody knows yet because you know they're like bad guys um so he's like doing all these things super superman spider-man is like oh let me go and check the perimeter over here and Shane she's like no I'll go with you because I don't want you to like see anything that might link this to me or like let you know that I'm part of it so they fight some people it actually looks really nice again I really like Dr. Moon's art and then we get to kind of the climax of the issue where the sister says something that pretty much lets Spider-Man know that like Shang is involved in this a little bit more than he's letting on and the sister like goes off she's like I'm tired of you acting like you are embarrassed by your family by what you're supposed to represent she's like or that you're embarrassed by me and who i am because like like, this is who i am and so i guess shang has like that moment that's like you're right and he stands up and he's like you know i'm the supreme commander of like this this and that 
all my people come in, they take the weapons, they leave. Spider-Man asks him, he's like, are you still one of us? He's like, are you still like a good guy? And Shang-Chi's like, oh, what does your spider sense tell you? And the issue ends. It's kind of okay. Um, okay. And so then the next issue, I think he's supposed to fight Captain America. So, so is he going to be just going through, like, fighting a bunch of different people? I think it's supposed to be kind of that, you know, they're really trying to put Shang in a spot in the Marvel Universe where he has, like, his own little corner. And okay. So to do that, he's kind of got to fight everybody because the organization, again, is typically known for bad things. So he's got to have his little, like, everybody's against me before they can get with me. Moment. You know how Black Widow has one every year? Yeah, yeah. yeah something like that. Okay. Um, 3.5 out of 5. I didn't honestly love Gene's voice for Spider-Man. Um, but but I'm also not, I, and I admit this freely, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, so I truly can't tell you what like a perfect Peter Parker is supposed to sound like. I think okay. I, I would assume he's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just kind of how I always like. I mean, not like annoying in a bad way, but like I've always read Peter as like a type of person. He's a little bit annoying. Mm. Um, I didn't really get that. I mean, he was, but like in a different kind of way, like in a bad annoying. Like, but I don't know. I'm not a Spider-Man fan. If there's a Spider-Man fan, please tell me. I could be completely way off. This could be a great Peter Parker. Yeah, I would have to read the issue. I'm a half decent Spider-Man fan. Um, I prefer Miles, but like I. I... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Felicia's also great. Black Cat is great. Um, and I think, like, I see what you mean by him being annoying. But, like, he's, like, endearing annoying. You know? Was yeah. it that, like that in the book? Or, like... Uh, I mean, not really. It was... I don't know. Whatever. I just, it's not even his yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, I'm not going to see him again. <laughs> I really... They did have, like, a nice little moment that kind of tied back to Spider Island. Uh where Shang-Chi was basically asking him if he remembered, if he had still been practicing his martial arts, because, you know, Shang-Chi taught him martial arts during that whole time when he lost his spider sense, which is why at the end he was like, what does your spider sense tell you? Um, And so that was a nice little callback. It was also kind of weird for Shang. I feel like Shang-Chi wouldn't really care what Spider-Man thinks. I would think that, too. Like, that's how I, like, would normally... I've always saw him more of, like, as, like, the master kind of type. So, like, he doesn't really care what, like, a student of his would think of him. Yeah, so it's it's very much like, this is my job, this is what I have to do, like, I don't really care. But I also understand that, like, they're probably trying to make him a little bit more real. Fair. So... Um, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I think, again, if it's something that you're interested in, especially with Shang-Chi, check it out. There's not really too much to check out before that, so now is the time. <laughs> um, next up, The Mighty Valkyries, number two. Jason Aaron, Garn Tron book. I will say I'm glad this book is only a miniseries. It's five-ish. Oh, um, oh no. So I you so, you know, I, you know what I've come to realize? I don't think I actually like Jane as Valkyrie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, because um, 
you are such a big Jane fan, or at least you I were. Lo- I, I love Jane. I think the des- I think the design is hitting. Like the Valkyrie look looks great. Um, I think the weapons are cool, but I don't know. It's just something that's not really clicking for me the same way that like her and Thor did. And I, I don't know, maybe just because the way the Thor story was obviously handled, like it had different weight to it, like with the cancer and like turning in and like burning away and all that stuff like that. Um, this is I don't know. I don't know. The book is beautiful. Okay. Uh, Matilda De Lewis is again doing the arts, very nice style. Carnilla is like walking around. I'm getting like a little bit of an Asgard fix from that. We also have the new Valkyrie, Runa. She is out doing her own thing. She's like rescuing some oracle from some place and trying to find like her weapons. And the oracles, it's cool. It's fun. It's fine. I again, I'm glad this is a mini series. <laughs> do you think that this will be the end of uh jane's time as valkyrie i don't know i i truly don't know like and i i think that's been one of my things like that i've been coming to terms with about jane is the valkyrie it's like what is truly happening with it because i feel like at one point in time they're going to bring back all the original valkyries and it's going to go back to brunhild and so then it's like where's jane gonna go is she going to continue to be this valkyrie are they once again going to try and like remake her into something else um, does she just go back to being the doctor? And then they keep introducing like a newer version of the Valkyrie to kind of call back to Tessa Thompson in the Marvel Universe. And right. so it's like, who do you like? Who do you want to be your face of the Valkyrie at this point? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not really working to me, like having both of them, because it doesn't feel like both. Of them. It feels again like kind of Jane's book but the Runa is guest starring, but then at the same time, you feel like Runa is being built up to be like where Jane is. And so it's just kind of like, what you gonna do? (laughs) Is Uh, that, would you like that? With Runa taking over? I also kind of like that name, it's kind of cool. I don't think I have um, enough of a connection with Runa to care. Mm. (laughs) Um, Like, (laughs) I would be open to reading it, obviously, but I don't think I'm like, but I also, like I said, I'm kind of realizing I don't like Jane, so I'm not opposed to it. Right. So it's just kind of like, if it happens, it happens. Well, I don't like Jane's Valkyrie. Or I don't love hmm. it. But again, someone could change my mind. Maybe I'll change my mind by the end of this. Yeah, keep keep sticking with it and see. It's only a mini, so. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. But I'll give it a three <laughs> out of five. For sure. Um, the art is gorgeous. Um, Jane fights someone. Oh, Craven. Oh, okay. Yeah, he pops up in the issue. There's this guy, Lion Pup. He has been freed by Carnilla, and he's, like, running around. He's, like, Jane tracks him down because he was killing people, but he says he was, like, defending himself from someone. And then we see that Craven has actually been hunting him. And so we get, like, some really nice scenes of Craven versus Jane and the thing. Like, Jane tries to stop him, and he throws a grenade into a crowd of people, so she has to, like, run down and try and get the people while he goes after the other guy. So that's mm-hmm. really... Um, Craven's always, like, a fun villain. Yeah, he's fun. Like, I'm into him when he pops up. Crazy. A fun guy. Yeah, because he don't care. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, so next up, we have Daredevil number 30. I know you're into this. I know this is your book. Chips this is the wine. <laughs> um, this was uh, so. 
before before I even let you speak on your girl and like get all <laughs> that and do all of that, I will just say that I honestly, Electra's cool. Mm-hmm. She's cool, but again, she's in that like I like to watch her do her thing. I don't know if I was into her character like that, but I think this is finally the issue where I finally kind of like oh. Come on, you're seeing it. <laughs> you're like, seeing it. It's like you, you might be my kind of girl, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, so shout out to shout out to this team for doing that. Her training the little girl, I was all about that. You know what? I, it's very rare that I ever hear you talk about you liking it a lot of my fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you're seeing the greatness that is Electra Nachos and and what she can bring in this book. And I like you said, I've been loving it. I'm not even gonna like be standing too crazy on it because y'all already know what I'm gonna say. Um Electra is truly giving in this and you're getting the character that I love, and that is the she knows exactly who she is and what she's about. <laughs> and um and I've been enjoying seeing her walk this path of being the of Daredevil and how she wants to be Daredevil versus yeah. how Matt is. You know, she bought the entire Olive Hell's Kitchen. Okay. <laughs> um, stole um, the money, bought Olive Hell's Kitchen. She's been training this girl. Again, I don't... I feel like she that girl got de-aged over the course of these, like, two books. So I actually was like, <laughs> like she got a little bit older. Because <laughs> I would, like, when she was, like, training her, I was like, how old is this little girl supposed to be? I don't feel like she should be getting trained right now. But, I mean, I guess the younger you start, the better. I, yeah, no, she should be training her right now. When they first, yeah, for sure. This is yeah. about the time when Electra started, so that's yeah. probably when she started to train her. I did also really like when she looked at the girl and she was like, you know, when I was her age, I was also going through something similar um, and uh, if, if you haven't, there's an Electra solo book that is, uh, it came out in like 2011, I feel like. I can't think of who uh, the writer was for it. Really good stuff. And you really get more into It's more modern. So uh, I know people prefer like something more recent and really get more into the mind of Electra, which is like she has some mommy issues because her mom died, you know, when she gave birth to Electra. Um, she's obviously also got daddy issues because of seeing her dad die. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Child. <laughs> Don't we all? And uh, yeah, so I definitely highly recommend that. And in this issue, we see the more of her personality and stuff. And I know that sometimes Electra can kind of fall into the cool girl thing, mm. but I've been really enjoying Zdarsky really pulling out and showing her uh, personality and who she is as a character. Yeah. In this, we see her in that in the club with that is having this like rave or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she is going to pretty much take down this new crime boss of Hell's Kitchen, who is is he technically his illegitimate son? Does he? I don't know. I haven't read any, a lot of Daredevil before this solo run, so I don't know if Kingpin knows that this son like exists and that he's out there. I have to go back and double check. I think I have that run. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's a thing 
or not. But I, I I found it interesting that he becomes like this like pseudo kind of king or whatever, and Electra has to fight off his bodyguard, and she is. She says something which I thought was amazing, which was this fight would have been over if I could have just gutted him. And mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, I gotta play by Matt's stupid rules. <laughs> right. But I easily could have just killed him and been done with this. Um and she tries to fight the guy off and has to use her fighting skills but so she doesn't like kill him. And then of course he ends up getting shot. But it was mm. by Alice, the little girl who she's been training. And now Alice is like probably gonna have to deal with the the pressures of now being someone who's killed someone. Whereas Electra, like, she's used to that and hasn't had to deal with any kind of those kind of emotions in a while. So it's gonna be interesting to see her talk to this girl and try to see how she helps her out. Especially now that we find out that after the guy gets killed, he fades away. So yeah. I'm part of the hand. Yeah, the hand's always involved. And that panel at the end, like where she figured out that it was the hand who was like doing that, fantastic. Amazing. I like it's, it. It yeah. was a good art week. It was definitely a really good art week for comics. Um, Michael Trento is really good. I don't even care about what's going on with Matt and Mike and all that stuff. Like, I truly don't. <laughs> After I read this, I was like, am I going to stay on this book when Electra leaves? I don't know. <laughs> Like, yeah. Um, what would you rate it? Um, this will also be a, a four out of five for me. I would agree. This is a really great issue. The art is fantastic. The electric characterization is great. Um, the the like I don't care about the stuff that's deal that Matt's dealing with, but it is interesting to see him go through this jail and like how he is with dealing with his sentences and stuff. So that's interesting. But great book. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Up next on our list, oh, this was a very exciting one we have today, is uh, Wolverine number 12. So, this is like Percy. I know, I know I've been a little up and down on this Wolverine book. Okay. Same. I dropped um, it. <laughs> but it's got Wolverine and vampires. It's okay. the best comic I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> um, I will say, though, I will say, so I will say, you know, I had a conversation like on Twitter with a couple people one day. We were kind of talking about Wolverine in general. And how, while we love Wolverine, there's kind of this feeling with him and his stories right now where you almost want him to take a break. Like, he is the man who has done it all. He's the best there is at what he can do. What next? And so, you know, we have Laura around. We have Dawkins around. Gabby's around. I think it would be really interesting if he kind of, like, brought his kids into this run and he just took on, like, that backseat drunken master role and, like, let them. He's Charlie. They're his angels. And like let them go out and be the one. I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe bring in Amico, the human stepdaughter he has with Yukio. Um, but that's neither here nor there. This issue, he is still very much in the mix. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're getting back to the vampire plot. Dracula has been trying to take Wolverine's blood to power himself with the vampires and like make it so they can walk in the sunlight and do all of these other things. He has the girl Louisa, who is a part of the Night Court, who's like been defeating vampires all these years. But of course, they are corrupted and one of them turns into a vampire. Uh, Wolverine takes her back to Kakoa and he gets with Forge because she got infected by the vampires as well. So he has her, has Forge make her a like Krakoan bio suit that is going to protect her from the sunlight. And oh, okay. he, it has a helmet attached to it, and it has 
something in it that's basically going to produce uh, blood cells for her so she won't have to feed on people. Okay. And then, and then he gives her a UV sword. It's giving. Like, the sword probably looks cool as shit. <laughs> um, and if it's one thing Wolverine's good for, it's giving a homegirl a nice suit of armor because you know who else he did that for? Mm. One Miss <laughs> Bethany Product when they were running around the Outback. He got her that like, little purple suit with the hood. And, with the yeah. hood. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, so that's going on. Basically, Omega Red has like had it with the vampires. He's tired of being their pawn, so he comes up to the team. And he's like, Dracula is planning to do all of this stuff. He needs your blood for it. I want to be free. He's like, you know, Krakoa says it's for all mutants. It's about having a second chance. Like, I want that for myself. Let's do it. And, of course, Wolverine's like, I don't trust you. And then Omega Red is like, I've been under Dracula's thumb. And Wolverine's like, let's hear what he's got to say. <laughs> um, so they come up with a plan. They have this one scientist who's been working with Dracula to help synthesize Wolverine's blood. He creates a clone body of Wolverine. The five gene edit the body so it basically like feels like Wolverine it looks like Wolverine does what he does but the blood is infected and it basically creates its own UV energy and so when Dracula like gives it to all of the vampires they start dying Mm. and so um, we see that happen then Dracula like runs off he's like you know you may have beaten me this time he's like but we'll see who'll come out on top the scientist dies they go about their day. We actually go to Sevalith, which appeared in X of Swords, the vampire nation over back in the other world. And they say, we need help because the vampires are getting stronger and we need someone to kind of fight them. And the Sevalith vampires are supposed to be different from normal vampires. Like they're, they're smarter. They have their own culture. They actually have like found a way to birth their own babies. And oh. guess who's leading these people now? If you remember X of Swords, Death. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah, so Death is, like, leading this vampire nation. So they're like, will you help us fight Dracula's army? He's like, if you're talking about Death, of course I'll help you. I didn't know they were going to bring him back around. Okay. Okay, especially not in Wolverine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it I was, gotta pop back in there. It was, it was like, it, it was, it took, I won't lie, it took a while to kind of like get to it, especially if you're not a vampire person. I love vampires, so I, I was like with it all the way. Um, but I like love the way that they tied that in. And it also kind of made me think about just the connectivity of the Marvel Universe and like the X books and all the books in general. Like to know we've gotten here from like when Percy first introduced the vampires into this story. And it's like, how long have they known, you know, X of Swords was gonna go along? How did, you know, long did they know that the vampires and Sevens were gonna be a thing? Did they make the vampires and Sevens specifically for this? It just opened, so it was just a very interesting callback for me. I love it. Mm. Um, I would give this issue a 3.5 out of five. Good oh, art. Okay. Again, a very nice wrap up to the story. The uh, death popping up, several coming back. The, of course, that was the nation I wanted to go back to with all of the other worlds. So I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm with this one, for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Check um, that out, y'all. Check it out. Next up, oh, this is a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> Way of X number two from Simon Spurrier and Bob Quinn. This is an incredible book. I think I have tweeted this multiple times by now, actually. Like, this is an incredible book. But it's, like, it's not shocking. It has nothing but incredible characters. Nightcrawler, Legion, Dr. Nemesis, Pixie, Dazzler. What? It's just hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. 
I don't know about all of them. <laughs> I don't this know if I would go that far. This is excellent. Um, Legion's around. He, uh, we find out that Orcus has his brain, and he's basically convinced Nightcrawler to form a little team. They go to save him. It consists of Doctor Nemesis and Pixie, and like they go into the brain and they like see all his personalities fighting. And uh, Nightcrawler kind of has to finally realize that. Legion's got to die, so he shoots the brain. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots the brain, and they rebuild Legion's new body on Krakoa. He is now officially on Krakoa, and he kind of makes a comment about how the voices in his head have subsided a little bit because of this new body. He's like, it's a new brain. It's going to take them a long time to get along. So I guess that's supposed to be our cue that he's a bit more in control than he's been in the past. Um, Xavier, of course, has like an Xavier moment where he originally wasn't going to restore his memories after he <laughs> came back because he's like, you know, whatever. And Lee's just like, I'll do it myself because he's a what? Omega level mutant. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. He woke he, up out of his body and Xavier is like, I can't do it. I just can't. I can't bring Legion back because of how unstable he is and everything that we've built. And Legion was like, I do it my damn self. <laughs> I don't need you. Exactly how it is. Um, Magneto tries to get him to help with something. Planet X seems like, you know, I'm very excited for that, actually. Yeah. Um, but Legion's like, no, I don't trust you either. <laughs> He's like, no, you and Xavier are like hiding some stuff. I'm going to hang out with Kurt for a little bit. And then that Kurt honest starts, you know? And I love that. I love this book. I'm into it. Yeah. I like this book. I don't know if I love it yet. I do like the questions that are being asked about it, um, the, about the Krakoa. Um, and I like Nightcrawler. I don't know if I want to read a whole book about him. What? Um, yeah. Nightcraw the Nightcrawler? You wouldn't read a book about him? Uh, not a long, uh, not an ongoing. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> no, not him by himself. Um, and And this team... I'm not that drawn into. I like Dr. Nemesis. He was kind of funny. He had some moments. Um, the art I wasn't too into. I think it's the coloring I'm not the biggest fan of. I think um, the art, it's like, it's fine. Like, it's yeah. a story. Um, right. I don't think it's like necessarily spectacular. I don't think it's bad in any way, shape, or form. Like, it is fine. Right. Yeah, so like the team, I'm not that into. Nope. Pixie, Dr. Nemesis, all the rest of them. But I'm into the story, so I'll stick with it and see what's up. I like the end of Who is Coming. Um, I'll try not to spoil that. I only like that because of it gives them something to fight. And I've been kind of missing some action from the Krakoa era. So it would yeah, be nice absolutely. to at least just have them out there. Even if it's like a dumb villain from the 90s. Hmm. I'm totally fine with that because at least we'll get to see them do something. Yes, 100%. Um, what would you rate this book? Uh, I give it a three out of five. A three out of five? Okay. I would give it. I give it a three point five out of five. Okay. For sure. Um, I, I. 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 The art. It's just kind of. Yeah. 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 And I. I like I said the story for me is it's all right and. Um, I'm not too into the team, but who knows? Maybe it could change my mind. I'm not mad at this. I'm not mad at uh, the writing per se. It's just not that into it. Okay. 
All right. And so the final book up on the list, I finally caught up with this, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, number two. Ooh. So we'll go through this like really quickly for you because it's like really good. And I actually like genuinely want you to read this book because I think you'll really like it. I'm going to tell you okay. a little bit about the first issue too. So basically the first issue starts with this girl who's like jumping out of a window to like kill herself and trigger warning. Okay. Um, okay. And we see like the Indian gods, like death, um, the ones of fire. And so basically they take death into this room and they let her know you've been with us like for centuries. You're fired. We're letting you go because there's a child that's about to be born that is going to create everlasting life. He's like going to create immortality. So the girl who jumps out the window, Layla Starr, when she passes away, death as like no she's no longer needed and she's no longer a god they put her into that human body and so like that becomes the thing like when you're not needed as a god anymore you just go live to be immortal and it's like oh okay yeah um and so she's like very upset about having to now be in this mortal body and like this little boy who's born to like make her obsolete so she runs to the hospital that well she wakes up in the hospital that he's also born in she goes to go and kill him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she's like, cause she's like, how, and it's funny cause she runs into this ghost and the ghost is like, how can you see me? And she's like, I used to be a God. Like I got some like extra stuff going on. And so she's like, I'm going to go kill this baby that was just born. And so the ghost <laughs> is like, you're going to kill a baby because you lost your job. <laughs> Death is like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, the issue ends with like, she, gets the baby his name is Darius and she like can't bring herself to do it because she has all these new human feelings and emotions and all of this stuff like that and while she's holding this baby like all the police and doctors and stuff come in because again this body this girl who they had just pronounced as dead like 20 minutes ago is now up and walking around with the baby in her hand um so she like manages to get away but as she gets away she gets hit by a bus oh jeez so okay. it's like, yeah so they tell the story about like Layla Starr, the girl who like died, lived, and died again. She wakes up again, and we see another one of the gods has like revived her. He's like, oh, you know, I know it. He knows she's dead. He's like, all this stuff, blah blah blah. He's like, I brought you back because he likes her, as a person, I guess. <laughs> and uh, we find out that it's eight years later, and he's like, you know, if you're still looking for that kid, he's not a baby anymore that's where issue one ends and so now we get to issue two and she's like kind of deciding if she actually wants to go after this little boy and she meets this crow who like she starts talking to he talks about how he carries souls of the dead so through fate she runs into the little boy Darius again and Darius is kind of we this issue we meet Darius himself and he's talking about like how he's experiencing death for the first time with basically like the family's uh, helper who was very nice to him and like helped him learn a lot of things and took him through all these paths and like now he's passed away but the family can't go to the funeral because of just like whatever their traditions are their values and so the little boy Darius at eight years old runs away to go to this funeral and there he runs into Layla Starr and she's like, oh, you're the little boy. She realizes him, but she loses him. They have like this cute, they have a nice little deep conversation just about kind of like life and death and what it means and like growing and all this stuff. And she loses him and she goes into the water. But while she's in the water, all the like spirits, I guess, of people who she had taken while she was deaf 
because they also know she's dead, like grab her and take her underneath and they drown her. Okay. <laughs> so then she dies so, again. So she dies again and the end of the issue wakes up. The god has once again revived her and he tells her, he's like, look, I can't keep doing this because the people upstairs are going to get mad and we find out now that it's 12 years later. So the boy's oh, dying. And an, an additional 12 years or 12 and, years from now? An, an additional 12 years. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, yeah, so he's, like, an adult now. And so that's the whole thing. It's, like, he hasn't actually created immortality yet. He's going to do it when he gets older. And so that was, like, her whole thing of why she had to kill him while he was a baby. Um, And so, like, now she keeps losing all this time, so he's getting closer and closer to when he's going to figure out how to make it. Really good story. I think I might might have to check this out. That sounds good. It's really good. Like, (laughs) Randy. Like, he's killing it. Okay. Like How's the art? I um I had the art's beautiful. It's a very um artsy style. I don't know if like that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's I'm trying to think of people who's like similar. Have you ever seen like kind of Leslie Hung's art or not Fiona Staples, Ming Doyle? Well, wait, I've seen Ming Doyle. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so it, it, it's, it's kind of following along those lines. Uh, Felipe Andraste, I believe is the artist's name. Mm-hmm. Felipe Andrade. Um, looks great. Love it. There's a panel. So when Layla actually is dragged underneath the water by the ghosts or whatever, or the sea demons, the crow actually comes to save her. And she's like, the crow like dies and you see her carrying her away. And she's like, oh my God, thank you for saving me. And the crow's like saving you. He's like, I told you I carry souls of the dead away. And she's like, oh, and she, oh. yeah, and she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to check this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really good. I like bought the first issue. I just never sat down and had time to read it. And then the second issue came out this week. So I was like, let me read both of these right now. I'm ready for number three. Okay. It's, such, it's cool. It's cool. Okay. I might jump in for number three then and go back and read those first two. Because this actually sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but those are the comics of the week. Yeah. You guys, let us know what you read, what you thought, what was popping. Yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back for another panel. Let's do it. All right, y'all. What's up? Welcome back for another panel this week. We are going to be talking about comic book crossover events. So um, when we say crossover events, I mean like, you know, company-wide, not just the character-specific events or something that maybe only affects a type of corner of of a a comic publisher, but we mean like company-wide. So I wanted to talk about what our top five favorites were, some of our least favorites, and what exactly even makes an event. So okay. let's let's kick it off with what exactly makes an event for you, Keenan? Like, what does an event need to have, a crossover event for you need to have? It needs to have big action. Mm. It needs to have, like, world-changing events. Um, and it needs to pretty much encompass the entire Marvel Universe. Like, it has, it has to affect them, everyone, in some type of way. And I think that's like what you kind of say with these character-specific events. You could think of something like Age of Apocalypse, which I think is a fantastic event, but it only affects the X-Men. So yeah, it's kind of like, as opposed to something like, 
Siege. <laughs> you didn't like, uh, uh, did you like Siege? <laughs> Shady. I, I I liked it, I think. I think I liked Siege. Oh, what was it about? Wasn't it when Asgard fell? Oh. Right? And uh, Ares got ripped in half by a century. Oh. And Thor returned from Asgard, I think. I think I liked it. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I read it. <laughs> Clearly. But I think I liked it. Okay. Okay, so you need big action. And mm-hmm. when you say world-turning event, do you mean, like, the scale of it is so big? Or do you just mean, like, the impact of it in the universe is big? Both. Okay. I think, um, to be a successful event, I think you actually have to, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on our reread, but Civil War kind of changed the landscape of the Marvel Universe for like oh, yeah. at least at least a good decade. We're honestly kind of just now coming out from the uh, like effects of Civil War and like what it did to the superhero community throughout the Marvel Universe. I think to be a successful event, that is what you have to do. Um, of course, and again, we'll get into that later, but the writing might not always be there in the actual event because again, I think the big point of it and we talked about this when we read uh reread world war hulk is to give you like the big action like you want to see like it's a movie you know yeah. what I'm saying? you want to see like a lot of stuff happening so you don't really get a lot of that show character. me where the budget went <laughs> okay um but that's why we have seven million tie-ins for the rest of the universe is because that's where you're going to get this nuance from everybody else because again this event is affecting everybody i think once you kind of cut that off and you have it only affect a certain group of people it doesn't really work anymore because these are supposed to be shared universes. So if these heroes are supposed to be friends and like confidants and partners in the way that they said they are, there is really no reason why when Nimrod or whoever is attacking, Bastion is attacking the X-Men and Messiah complex, that the Avengers aren't also there. And I just have to say that that event almost made my list because a second coming is truly one of my favorite Marvel events. But again, like you said, it's only that only affects the X-Men. Like, no one else was even involved in that story. So. Although, I think, I think they, I th- honestly, though, I think there was a panel of, like, the Fantastic Four or somebody trying to break through or, like, trying to get through. So, shout out to them for that. But you get what I'm saying. Like, in the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, too, that the action for it has to be bombastic, but not in a way that feels cheap. You know, mm-hmm. I just need, I do need it to just be bigger than what I would normally get in probably the solo stuff. Do you need there to be a character death? No, not necessarily. Nobody has to die. Um, and that's the hero or villain side. I don't need a death per se. I just need, I do need some, some, some meaty fights, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need some and powers. It, and I think that's always kind of going to be like the crux of an event is that even now when I've been going back and looking at some other ones that I really enjoyed when I was younger or for whatever reasons, I like see it. I'm like, oh, this actually isn't that good. But, like, it's, it's like, fun. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, and when I read some of them, I was reading Civil War. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's just, like, there's some bad things that happen in it, but it's, like, yeah, like, Captain America's kicking ass. <laughs> like, great. Yeah. Um, but thinking of something else, um, I want to say Civil War Two. <laughs> yeah. You know, where the writing kind of falls flat and 
even the action, while the Civil War II looked good, like, thinking about it, there wasn't really a whole lot of action in that book. Like, there were a couple of fights here and there, obviously, but, like, the entire point of the book was them trying to prevent everything that happened. And I think what you just said about the action being bombastic but not feeling cheap, I think that was an example of the action feeling cheap. Because you don't really remember anything specific about, like, who fought. Like, when I read Secret Empire, like, I can tell you, like, moments that, like, really stuck out to me. When I read something like Messiah Complex, I can, like, remember those moments that stuck out to me. Um, when I think of Civil War II, I remember... <laughs> Actually, no, I remember... <laughs> <Carol>. <laughs> I, remember I, I remember... Not only do I remember Carol trying to arrest a young Miles Morales, but... <laughs> I also distinctly remember her and Storm shit-talking the Black Panther. <laughs> that moment is embedded in my brain. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about Civil War II shortly, I'm sure. But I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm glad that you understand what I meant by like the, the, the action and stuff not feeling cheap, uh, and but still feeling like it's just some weight to it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I do need that action in it. I do need, I need the crossovers to not feel infinite, <laughs> you know, um, because I do think that while every, some books can have some crossovers and you can have a few like new, like mini series that come out of stuff. Sometimes I think some events have entirely too many, like mini series and things that do are attached you, um... Do you have a preference of like when there are big events? Do you like a separate mini series that you have to buy, or do you not mind when it ties in, when it ties into the regular ongoing series? Um. Okay, so technically I don't mind if it ties into the regular series because on my list of my favorites that we can get into in a bit, I I do have a few that I just go through the books. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that I actually would prefer it to be a separate. Okay. event in it and maybe more of a hybrid thing where there is like kind of like civil war where there is the main event and the other books across the line tie into it so then the tie-ins you see how the main event would affect them you know and if yeah. you want to read the main event you can if you want to skip the tie-ins you know it's just your character or that character anyway uh reacting to the event mm-hmm. um so yeah i think i prefer it to just have a little bit of both Separate book and tie-in issues. What do you think? I like, so I like a main book, obviously, but again, I think that a lot of times, especially now in the current age of comics, when we have the main book, I don't think the main book carries the weight of the story that it used to. I think it has, like, a lot of the fun stuff, which is great, but I think, again, to be kind of a successful event, you have to be able to make me care about the story I'm reading or the characters that are in it. I don't want to just read this and be like, oh, okay, like, now I also have to go and read Captain Marvel 28 to find out how she actually feels about this issue that's going on right here because they can't actually discuss it for whatever reason. So I kind of like it to be all condensed in one because I also don't really care for tie-ins. I don't think a lot... Tie-ins are hard to do for some people, I feel like. You're going to derail the main story that you're already telling it's not it doesn't always gel well with i think king and black was a perfect example of that of something that just kind of 
infested all of the books <laughs> and, <laughs> and threw things off of their trajectory. And the ones who made it work, like, it was fine, but it was also unneeded. And it was just like, why did you have to kind of come over here and, like, mess up what I got going on with whatever you have over there? It's like, no, just leave that alone. Like, keep that in your book. So I think that's my thing. Yeah. Don't I think it. some events probably need to have a little bit more of a streamline of which a book should tie in and how they would get affected. Um, but I feel like King and Black was something that they probably wanted to affect a lot more books than it should have. Um, it was and... something. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a little bit of an issue with some crossover events and not being able to reel it in when it comes to what they want to have uh, affecting. Um, so let's get into then, now that we know what we kind of consider an event and what we like in events, what are your top five favorite events? Okay. You don't have to go in order. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. I'm not going to either because I couldn't. But like, <laughs> what are your top five? Um. Okay. So, I don't know if these are like. I don't know if this one's considered an event. But Dark Rain. No, that's considered. Okay. An event. Um, I think that. Let me just say that kind of like Marvel was on fire for like. That was a They had a nice little streak from around um the time of like Civil War started to like House of M to a couple of other things, uh, Heroic Age, Utopia, Dark Reign, just great stuff. And I think Dark Reign was one of those things that like really did well for Marvel and the fact that you felt the weight of it, the stakes of it and these villains being in charge of everything felt very real, seeing the heroes on the run. It was kind of like a ragtag time and then seeing them kind of rise above all of that. And I think it was something that actually fit in every single book because every book has a villain. <laughs> right. And so it's like, there's always someone that you could have to like kind of take over that spot or like do the other things that the heroes couldn't do anymore. So like Dark Reign is quite possibly one of my favorite things in the Marvel Universe that they've ever done. Um, second up on my list is House of M. I just say again, great era for Marvel. Um, I think House of M is one of those things where again you felt the weight of it. House of M does kind of falter because that's one that I feel like a lot of the meat of the story was done in like side books yeah and um the main event was it was very beautiful to look at um yeah. that well, art was out it's of this also world. wild that that is a scarlet witch event but she's barely in it i think they technically consider it more of a x-men avengers event now okay that's yeah that's what it should be yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, like, but again, I think that's another one that, like, really had repercussions. Again, we are really just coming out of that. The yeah. end of the of everything, when the Hoxpox era started and Hickman came in. Um, switching over to the DC side, an event that I really love is Brightest Day. Mm, also on my list. Everybody knows Blackest Night and, like, what it did and, like, the Black Lances and all that. But I think what came after for Brightest Day and, like, rebuilding a lot of those characters was just, like, Phenomenal, definitely deserves. Um, so I have this one on my list, but now that I'm looking at it, I don't know if it actually counts. It's Throne of Atlantis. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't also realize how like current so many of these were, but hey, when you're high, you're high. Uh, <laughs> Throne of Atlantis was like a big uh, DC event that 
happened in the Justice League book featuring Aquaman. Obviously, Orm gets Atlantis to attack and everything like that. It's something that happens a lot. It, like, was in the main JL book, but, like, DC events can be weird in the sense that they affect everyone, but they also don't affect everyone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, you'll see, like, this one book have this, like, really big bombastic event going on and they're telling you how important it is and all of these other things but like you can read any other book and it's nowhere to be found (laughs) or you can have another event like brightest day which genuinely does take over the entire line and you never see the end of it so it's like but they still consider them the same kind of event because Mm -hmm. those repercussions will still be felt even though you don't actually see anybody doing anything about it but again that's their whole like weird time stream so i have thrown a volantis on my list i don't know if it counts but it's on there. Um, and my last one is my top five is Secret Wars. Yes. Okay. Secret Wars. Um, I mean, the the revival, the revival was good too, actually. Yeah. They, but I'm, I'm going to combine those two. Those are another ones that I just think were really good. Felt the repercussions of them. Changed the game around a little bit. You got to have fun with the alternate universe and some of the aspects. Good time. Those are my five. Okay. Let me give you my five and then we can get into them uh, and see which ones that we liked and everything. So my, this is in no order. <laughs> Again, this is kind of hard to place in order. But one of my favorites is um, Operation Galactic Storm. And yeah, I think it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's one of, it's one of Marvel's like earliest crossover events. And this one didn't have a, uh, like a separate book and tie-ins it just ran through like 20 issues or something like that of books across like a couple months so i think it started in like a captain america book mm. and then um the next issue was in like an iron man book and the next one was in a uh like a quasar book or something like that so like it it followed yeah it was all about space um just to give people <laughs> a little bit a background on it it was uh, the Kree and the Shi'ar is the Kree-Shi'ar war. Oh, okay. Um, so the Kree, the Kree and the Shi'ar were using this like uh, warp gate near Earth's sun, and the more that they were using it, it was gonna like cause Earth to blow up or something like that. And um, you know, always. So <laughs> the Avengers sent two teams to try to talk to the event, talk to the Kree, and talk to the Shi'ar. Um, but then they find out that the Shi'ar were collecting Kree artifacts because they were going to build a bomb to blow up <laughs> the Kree. <Aww. laughs> yeah, they like were going to use their own weapons against them and uh, blow up the Kree. It's a whole thing. And like the two teams are separated. They try to talk them down. The bomb ended up going off. It's a really good story um, and a crossover event because everybody's in it. This is also the start of the feud between Captain America and Iron Man. Because um, there's a decision that it has to be made in the book where they have to decide if they're going to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And um, Iron Man's team, along with Cersei, Wonder Man, um, Hercules, they were all like, yes, let's kill this thing. <laughs> 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 but Captain America was like, no, Captain America... Um, Monica Rambo, like they were all like, no, we shouldn't kill him, but 
they did it anyway. <laughs> so that was like the start of like their like butting heads. And obviously we see what happens later in Civil War. So I've, I've always really liked that event. Um, it's got everything I like in it. It's in space. Um, this is also where we, this is the event where Wonder Man gets to like his powers become what we know they are today with the energy blast and all that stuff. So uh, I loved it. Uh, my other event on my list is Infinity by Hickman. Okay. I really, really enjoyed that. That was a good one. That event a lot. And um, it was company-wide. It had its own separate event and lots of tie-ins. <laughs> um, it was also the thing that was going to kind of, I think it was supposed to usher in the age of like the Inhumans or something like that. Yeah. I wasn't too much that part. And obviously we see what happened there, but the story, yeah. Um, and then, like you had, I do have uh, Brightest Day and Blackest Night on here. I kind of combined those two stories because, I mean, yeah, I Greenland, mean, classic. <laughs> um, I also have Secret Wars on my list as well. I liked Secret Wars a lot as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. It was like the, first, I think it was the first crossover event I read when I was like, I don't know, ten, eleven, or something okay. like that. My dad, my dad put me onto it. Yeah, he like. He loved it and like wanted me to read it, obviously. And I remember really liking all of the characters together because since this was my first time ever reading a crossover event, I had never seen like all those different characters all like kicking it together and like trying yeah. to figure out how they're gonna work together. And then you had all the villains too on their mm-hmm. side working. So like Magneto was in it and mm-hmm. um, Doom and all that. I thought it was great. Um, and at the time. I really enjoyed it. I need to reread it now as an adult and see if I still love it. But I I liked it when I was uh, okay. younger, for sure. Um, I also did like the Hickman 2015 Secret Wars because that was also really, really good. Um, great showing for the Fantastic Four in that one. Um, and then last was Infinity War. Okay. Um, I didn't realize until right now that a lot of mine are all cosmic. <laughs> uh, are you shocked by that? <laughs> I guess I didn't, I, re- I didn't realize that until right now. Looking at this list, I was like, "Oh shit!" I guess they are all in space, <laughs> or like, yeah. yeah, that tracks for you. Yeah, <laughs> can't help it. Um, but I will say that I tie in Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet together. Oh, I liked it. I liked two. Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I did. I think I liked War a little bit more than Gauntlet, but. That whole like story was great. I should have put Secret Empire on my list. Ooh, shake the table. I, I liked Secret Empire. It was good. It was given, and it was a great moment for Sam and like King of Speeches. He was like really giving. He was really rallying the troops. The way the heroes came back <laughs> and beat that uh, fake Captain America. I, it came out at a very divisive time. Like there was a lot of like Trump. Yeah. Stuff going on, and I think a lot of people were kind of seeing it in their comics and seeing it in real life, and it was like, one of these got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the comic is probably the one we feel like we can control the most. Um, so it got a lot of backlash from that. There were also people who were just kind of like taking it, I won't lie, they were taking it to a bit of the extreme, saying like, oh, secret empire type stories, it's like what's fueling these people to be racist. And it's like, 
baby, like, I can guarantee you this comic book is not what is fueling these racist <laughs> people to be racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> Steve Rogers uh, being, like, t- uh, turning into a Nazi because he's been brainwashed or, like, cosmically rewritten by a cosmic cube does not wake someone up one day and say, oh, yeah, I can hate everybody, too. <laughs> like, that was already there. Um, but again, like, I get it. It's like, there's one that I can, like, choose to actually not see. So, but I like Secret Empire. It was great. I liked it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a really good story. and very well written, and the art was great. Um, Beautiful art. Like, really good stuff. Like, great things happen in there. The whole, like, I don't even really like that Cloak and Dagger like that, but the whole thing of, like, Dagger being the one thing that was lighting up the city when they were covered in darkness all that time, Sister was working. It was great. Oh, they were fine. Are they mutants again? No. For a little bit they were, but they got retconned really quick. It was (laughs) I don't know. They just (laughs) Carol even had like a nice moment in Secret Empire. She did. That was after Civil War Two. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you know, a lot of people hated her. It was down bad. (laughs) Bad. Okay. (laughs) Like bad. Like the moment with the Quasar girl and um she was kind of like I guess having a moment with herself and being like, no, like I'm not always right. I'm not I, I genuinely remember reading that, like, oh wow, like they're about to kind of go forward with Carol changing this persona and you know. They did. Because right after that was the launch of her solo series. Yeah, I remember that. See. <laughs> <laughs> See. You you gotta read it. <laughs> I already know. Oh, okay. I know. I don't even got I don't even got to argue with it anymore because you'll come around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That mm. is that's a thought. <laughs> um. Uh, what were some events that you did not like? So I think everyone. And, knows and what? Okay. So then, what makes? But also, like, what makes an event bad for you? I think. I think obviously, so I think we kind of, people tend to throw around the term like out of character very loosely. I think that in any comic book, you have to be kind of aware that the characters that you're reading about are going to like change and grow and like opinions and things like that might sometimes be different than what it was when they appeared in the book 80 years ago. And, but in that same vein, I think every character has kind of like a base to their personality. Like there are just some things that you know a character will not do. And so I think any event that like kind of takes the characters too far away from that base personality with like no type of even trying to connect it, that doesn't work. You've already lost me there. I agree. And then I think an event that feels long and drawn out a king in black <laughs> because again you kind of just get to a point like all right this can stop it's mm-hmm. an infestation <laughs> we need to burn it away so that's one that gets me um i think those are really just my big two things for anything mm. like if it's too if it's too far off the wagon it's just kind of like all right you're going a little crazy now um and then when it's just too long you should you should know when it ends up for me, it's I agree with them being too long, and I definitely agree when they are like out of character. And like you said, there every character has like their base 
personality and you shouldn't veer too far away from that. Sometimes I think some characters, they turn that up, I think, a little bit too loudly when they tap into the whatever that base personality yeah. is for the character. Um, but I I agree that those are kind of the things that I, I would need for something to actually be considered bad. Um, also, they if it feels random, mm-hmm. like if it feels like it's just an event, just to have an event, then I'm already probably going to be like, what are you doing this for? Is this like yeah. a cash grab or something yeah. like, I would say something like a, like Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. When, that, when that came out, that nothing about that fit in with anything else that was going on <laughs> at Marvel at the time. <laughs> but it was just like a whole Marvel crossover event that affected everybody, but like no one was even really affected by it afterwards. And it was truly just coming out at the time that the movie was coming out. So it felt like what is even what's going on here? Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. Um I think that one event that I did not like was Axis. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't like that. So, you know, we were just talking about Marvel having, like, that nice stretch of, like, good era. Mm. I think they definitely hit a point in time where it went down. (laughs) (laughs) And And I think a big part of that was that they had, like, all these events. It was just, like, nonstop, back to back to back to back. We had, like, Civil War II. We had Axis. We had Fear Itself. We had Siege. We had, like, the Age of Ultron thing. We had, like, even that Secret Wars revival. Like, there was, and even, like, you would have your self-contained events with certain other books. I remember the X-Books went through, um what was that they had like an age of apocalypse revival again there was ivx there was avx you know there was just like constant 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 events and (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like a lot of things got very weak and i feel like if people were to look back and kind of say a lot of events that they probably didn't like it would be in that time frame yep from oh and and um dc got exempt because uh at the same at the same time they were doing uh they had forever evil and then they had uh futures end and then they had convergence and then they had um dark side war (laughs) all that was all at the same time oh dark side war oh my god yes and it was the baby (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) they had all of that i skipped that too um, <laughs> I remember, like, I think I read the first issue or something like that, and I remember the baby. And I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. Yeah, and then all of that read, led into the, oh, yeah, Doomsday Clock. Was it we that? Just had, they just had Endless Winter. See? Yeah, now they we're not. Different frontier. They're not done. They're not done. They're not done yet. They still, they still working through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, they haven't had too many that I just have a downright disliked, though. DC? You know what? I'm not. I think about it. I think it's just because I skipped them, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Death I Metal, never I forgot that was a thing too. Oh yeah. Joker War. <laughs> oh yeah. The Robin War for the losing jokes. <laughs> Robin War. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Um. Yeah, they're still figuring it out. Mm. Um, obviously, I was not a fan of Civil War II. Uh, yeah. That one is that one was that I think is a perfect example of like the out of character 
Mm-hmm. Tough for yeah. like a lot of people in a that book. Now that one I felt like was easily just to be trying to tap into the movie because I think uh, the Civil War movie was coming out at the exact you, time. When, what are you going to do when they adapt Civil War to, to the MCU? How are you going to, are you ready for that? I'm going to pretend I do not see it. <laughs> I'm going to continue on and Because uh, that's Carol's I, event. Is it? It is. <laughs> That is Carol's event. One yet, you know. She is the I, star. She li- she literally leads one of the sides. Uh, that is I, Carol's I, event. It was like it was like all about her and like her team. She had like multiple. She was in that book. She had her solo. She was in the Ultimates. Like everyone was like like it was Carol's event. If Carol's hair is cut, it don't cut. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much take it there. If if Carol's got her shortcut, it did not I guess, happen. I guess Bree's about to get a chop. <laughs> oh no, we saw her being going in in game, and we don't got to go back down that road. Carol's about to get a chop because I, I, they've already done Civil War in live action. They're not gonna do it again. Oh yes, they will. And Iron Man gone, so they can't well, ever adapt. Just there. replace Iron Man. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. They'll use like um who oh, they'll pro- oh shit. They'll probably use Sam. See? Oh, but that's fine. Sam's gonna be, that's gonna be fine though, because Sam is probably gonna be take uh Tony's place. And Tony was right. And so like Yeah, Carol Carol's still <laughs> always like Carol was like <laughs> she was pushing profiling. <laughs> like, there's there's literally no way she comes out good in that. Sam, even if he takes the place of Iron Man, he will be fine. Oh my gosh, and it works too because he's a black man. Oh my gosh, and she's a white woman. She's gonna be the Karen. Oh my, oh, you're about to be upset. Oh wow, oh wow. (laughs) And then they have to, because you know Marvel still wants to introduce the Inhumans because that's like. Do you think they really wanna do that? I think they wanna bring them in some type of way. You think so? I've actually been wondering, we'll have to have another panel on the Inhumans, but like, I've actually been wondering, are they ever going to revive I them? Like, I don't do think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be as big as they uh, like wanted it to be. Again, we have the X Men now. We don't need the Inhumans. But um, I do think they'll still try. Like and all, like all X Men biases aside, like I wonder, do they really want to do anything with the Inhumans? Like again, like we, they got the X Men. Like truly, like that's me saying that with all bias aside. <laughs> like <laughs> we only. <laughs> We're getting the Inhumans because we didn't have the X-Men. And then when we did get the Inhumans and like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff, like it was fine. But again, it was whatever they're going to do in the movies would have contradicted that. It was yeah. the, the, the whole Inhumans thing was very messy because like Marvel TV was doing their own thing. And then we had the Marvel movie, which like nobody really knew what was going on with it. So I think they're just going to kind of like lay it low. I think they're going to bring them in, but I do not think it's going to be the big franchise that they originally pegged. Like, they won't, they won't think have their own corner of stuff. Like, it will just be no. big. We'll probably get some some of them in Eternals. Oh. Or, like, they'll spin, out of, movie. <laughs> they'll spin out of Eternals some way. But, um, yeah, that's going to happen. You're, we're definitely going to see Civil War II some type of way. That don't make no sense. What else, what else are they going to get Carol to do? They're not going to get Carol to do too much more after this. People want to see Rogue, so they'll probably just write them off. They want to see Rogue and Carol fight, and they want to see Carol come back 
can be. No, they don't. No, they don't. (laughs) don't I'm not saying that in a positive way. They want to see her be like miserable (laughs) after Rogue has beat her up. (laughs) People uh, hate that girl, even though she don't don't, do much. Yeah, like there's the there's like Carol couldn't be just to set the record straight. There, Rogue couldn't be Carol without sneaking up on her. So (laughs) let's let's leave that there. Okay. <laughs> you got to say, I'm just saying, Civil War II is definitely coming in some form or fashion, and Carol's going to be at the forefront of it. And you need to, because, like, literally, why would they make a movie her. about her profiling somebody? A movie? Why would it's the story? It's, it's so? it, because, at the, because at the end of the day, also, it's not about like her necessarily profiling people, it's about her like pre- preemptive justice. That's profiling. I mean, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what they're going to call it because she has to do it. <laughs> it's just, you just need to accept it. Like, it's it's okay. It's but it's like, you, you can't, you cannot, you cannot proposition Carol, prop Carol up as like one of the new leads of your universe and your franchise headliner and not give her her event. The problem with that is it's not her event. <laughs> they could do a Civil War two with her on Earth because who, although she would be wrong in stance, who gonna tell her no? She was the most powerful one there. What y'all gonna do? I mean, they told her before. Who cares? Wanda won't be on her side probably. <laughs> Ew. Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? No. You need to get ready. No. <laughs> you need to get ready. I don't, I don't see that. I don't see it's, that. It's, I mean, it's probably not going to happen until we're like, I don't know, like 40 maybe. They're going to give her the Korvac saga, if anything. Don't nobody even know what that is. <laughs> I need to read more stuff outside you of the can, X-Men. You, you cannot. <laughs> no, I just I just don't think anybody knows what Carol <laughs> That's what like that's not, even, that's not her event. They just give her that because like she would need somebody else to fight. Because her event is Civil War too. She hasn't had an event yet. It's not <laughs> she hasn't had one. I need you to. I'm just saying, I need you to prepare yourself. I'm prepared for uh <laughs> Captain Marvel, you know, and all her billion dollar franchises, but I'm not worried about seeing no Civil War two on screen. That book sucked. Why would they adapt a book that sucked? That's like saying, are we going to see Access to? I mean, we might. We'll run out of stories after a while. <laughs> I was having a conversation with someone. They were asking if they, if I thought Wonder Man would actually make it into the MCU. And um, I said yes, and but all biases aside from me wanting to see him, they were running out of Avengers to add into these shows. Yeah. Like, it's, at some point, they're going to have to get to it. Jack of Hearts is coming. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to get ready. <laughs> I've got stand cards ready and waiting for whoever wants to join the bandwagon. Because Jack of Hearts <laughs> is coming. Okay. Firebird, Jaguars. We might even get a little death cry. I'm very excited right now. Do you think there there should be some kind of event that kind of brings these characters that you're mentioning back around? 
Oh, do yeah. characters like that need an event to be brought back around, or can they just be introduced again? Death Pride, yes, because like we literally saw her kind of like explode on page. <laughs> um, Jack of Hearts is actually alive. He's already come back. Oh, I didn't back know that. The, he came back in one of the Marvel Zombies miniseries. It's like a part of something called Project Pegasus. Uh, they revived him, so he's just like hanging around. Um, other characters like Fiber, and then no, I also don't think it needs to be an event because they pop up here and there in like the background. Like Fiber was in the initiative. You know what oh, I'm saying? Fair, so, yeah. so it's kind of like you can say, like, oh, yes, these people are still technically being active heroes wherever they are. We just don't see them. Hmm. Or, you know, or it's like they're still active hero and now we're seeing them again because like this big thing is bringing them into it. Do you like when events introduce new characters into them? Yes and no. I th- it feels like worrisome sometimes because a lot of times when you have a character who you haven't seen in a long time appear in an event, it typically means that character is about to die. And, yeah. <laughs> and if it's like a character you like, when you get there, it's like, oh, wow, Jack of Hearts is here. And then it's like, oh, Jack of Hearts is here. <laughs> That's he's how I felt about Lightning when he showed up in No Surrender. I was like, oh, yes, he's getting some shine. Then I was like, now hold on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hold on, let's back it up. I mean, it, it, to be fair, it doesn't always happen. Like, I think Lightning came out very well in that, obviously. Um, so when it's like, it's good, but it's like, you know, you kind of approach it with some trepidation. It's just like, I don't know how this is going to end up. It's great to see you again, but am I going to see you by the end of this issue? I don't know. Now, while we close off here, what is something you hope to see from company-wide events? Less of them. (laughs) Fair. Um, And I only say that because I don't know. I just, I don't, at least not having like three to four a year. Maybe like I'm good with, like, the big summer event, the winter event. Like, if those are what we got to do for the entire line, like, okay, that's fine. But, again, I I don't actually feel like we've had, like, a really... Well, no, King and Black just happened. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> and you're in Heroes Reborn right now. Yeah, I'm in Heroes Reborn. Yeah, so less of them. That's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely something that I think we should do. <laughs> I think I think for me it would be uh, less of them, but have them be more like uh, tight, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that they a don't little bit just, more like, character focused. Yeah, but I think and I and I get that. I think the only thing with that is you run into it with a lot of events and it starts to become if it's too character focused, it's like oh we could have just done this in their own book, which also yeah. <laughs> you could do that <laughs> if you do want to do that like please do <laughs> all right y'all let's take a break and then we will come back for another reread mm. All right, we are back for another reread. And this week we had something very special. Yes. Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Civil we War. We all know it. Civil Taking War. us back. It took us back indeed. Um, <laughs> it's written by Frank Miller with art throughout uh, by Steve McNiven. And um, 
he was given art wise. Yeah. Like McNiffin's art is really, really good. It was truly carrying the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to him for that. So uh, like everybody kind of knows about what Civil War. Civil War is actually again, like I was just saying earlier, like Civil War is one of the few events that truly did change the Marvel landscape for years to come. You know, a lot of times you'll see at these events they say nothing will ever be the same. Like this is the end of well, you, you know it. Like this ain't your father's Justice League, and like it, nothing happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Civil War very much changed the landscape of not only. Marvel un- Marvel's universe, but I kind of think like just superhero comics in general. Like exactly. that hero versus hero trope, it took a brand new life after Civil War. And, and um, shout out to them for that. Yeah. I, that, that whole, uh, like you said, that whole hero trope of the, the hero versus hero thing really got ramped up after this. I think people genuinely just like seeing superheroes fight each other. <laughs> and this story kind of tapped into that at the time when people were really just kind of hungry for that. And I mean, you get after this, <laughs> this type of story was everywhere. Okay. You know, from the injustice and uh, any type of any type of story really where the heroes are kind of butting heads. I honestly think that Civil War was kind of the thing that, that jumped it off so Shout out to them for having that kind of impact. And I and like you said earlier, this has lasted for so long. Like the the entire repercussions between the team and how people kind of the heroes and how they look at each other kind of really it were affected after this. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, you know, rereading this, I was going through and I was like tweeting along with it, and I was like, there's not really a lot that actually happens in this event. Like, there is a lot of standing around. There's a lot of posturing. Like, I realize Falcon actually gets a lot of uh, screen time in this. Like, he's talking. He's kind of, like, leading some battles every now and again. And I'm like, I never would have remembered that Falcon was even a part of this event. (laughs) Because the dialogue seems almost... It's a little wooden, to be frank. To the point where like you kind of know exactly like what's going on or not not excuse me not what's going on but like the people who are talking it could be anybody talking so it's just like whatever that's what it is and that is the biggest like failing point i think this event has but it succeeds again because magnificent art is amazing and then when the action happens the action is everything like Ooh. this reminds you don't play with steve rogers mm. Because he is Captain America for a reason. That is America's super soldier. All right? All right? He's going to fight. He's going to fight. He's going to knock you down. I think um, I think this one also feels a little bit better than Civil War II. I feel like the sides that were chosen actually made sense. I feel like the people who were pro-registration, like, they felt like they should have been pro-registration. You know, She-Hulk, um, Giant Man, Wonder Man, Carol, like... Yes, those are the people who you would assume to be your cops. Um, and the people who were anti-registration, you know, Cap, Bishop. Falcon. <laughs> oh, Bishop. I really hate when they remind us that he's a cop. Let's not forget. <laughs> you get that whole scene with, like, Tony trying to recruit Emma and the mutants, and she's like, no. First of all, Emma loves to give that speech about, like, how the Avengers don't be there for the X-Men. And it's like, girl. <laughs> Emma, when did Emma become so, uh, you know... Uh, will someone please think of the children? Like, when did that become her, her whole motif? been that way. 
Yeah, but I feel like sometimes in events it gets cranked up. Remember how earlier where I talked about like certain motifs about a character kind of get like turned up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine in this. I was mostly kind of thinking of her in like X of Swords, <laughs> where <laughs> she was being a little hysterical about like, oh, will someone please think of the children? And it's like, girl, that was dramatic. She lo- she loves to give that speech. But again, I, I and I know people don't like to hear, but the Avengers and the X Men should actually have like a very good relationship. So. Mm-hmm. Many- those members singularly are like close with each other and have helped each other through times. Even like I know I've tweeted this before. We all may feel how we feel about Carol, but like the X Men don't really have a reason to hate her. No, she, she's kind of like a lot of their best friends. <laughs> she erased their names from the government so that they could go back to being secrets. She was on the team <laughs> because yeah. Rogue was going to join. Oh and, yeah, I forgot that Rogue was and doing, and like they were running around as cops. Um, she like her she was working for i think the doj at the time and she was like helping uh them with their clearances and like getting stuff like they like her so again i felt like the sides of civil war actually like made sense and the tension that the characters felt or had for each other felt genuine Mm -hmm. like even uh, i feel like that's because this the topic of this is like it fits their stories more compared to like a civil war two um you're never going to come out on the right side of a profiling story. Whereas this one, I felt like every, you can make whatever choices you want to make on which side you want to, to join on or whatever, but each side still had valid points, if that makes sense. So like it made sense that their team would, would be divided this way and sides would be drawn versus something like a Civil War II, where it's about profiling. This fits their super, it affects their communities, you know? And even so, like, when Hill kind of decides to bring in the villains to help the pro-registration side, like, you think about that, like, that's something that has callbacks to when the government used to, like, take inmates and, like, make them fight in the wars and things like that. Like, these are all kind of things, like you said, that work for this story and fit more into their world because you kind of hit a point. It's when do you look at yourself truly as the hero versus the villain doing whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Or like aligning yourself with these bad people because it's for the quote unquote greater good. Now this story opens with the new warriors, a new team of new warriors, and they're going after some villains trying to get their ratings up. I know that you recently have been doing some new warriors readings. How did you feel about this kind of showing of them now compared to how you read this I don't know, 16 years ago when it came out? Why do you keep doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, truthfully, I didn't really have too much of a difference in my opinion of it. I do do not like Nate Morita. So, like, her kind of... She got to keep it off. (laughs) Yeah, like, her being the reason that the whole mission kind of went south and, like, all that stuff, and he blew up the way he did. Like, I totally see that being her fault. Um... Speedball, he is quickly climbing up the list of like favorite characters for me, um, mm. to be perfectly honest with you. So this was interesting just because now having a newfound appreciation for him, I'm excited to like see the transformation from like Speedball to Penance. And then I think he goes back to Speedball. So like I'm ex- excited to see that like in a new light. Yeah, I've missed out on all of his Penance era. So you have to tell me how that goes. Yeah, the rest of the new warriors, like the debris girl, the germ guy, I 
don't actually know who they are. So I mean, we can do without them anyway. So <laughs> and then like the thing with Night Thrasher, I think Night Thrasher's worked out because he ended up being in that Contest of Champions book later written by Al Ewing, which was pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like the the story in that was that right before the blast, when the blast was happening, Game Master grabbed Night Thrasher at the last second, so he didn't actually die in that. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, so you got Al Ewing Night Thrasher's content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so after that entire like uh, blast happens with Nitro killing all those kids in Stanford, then we get a portion of the heroes kind of doing the cleanup. And there's the scene of Marvel Girl, Rachel Summers using her powers there, and it always makes me feel like they wanted that to just be Jean, <laughs> but Jean was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's usually why Rachel's around. <laughs> well. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's usually why she's around. Um, and then we have the entire funeral scene with uh, Tony showing up to the funerals of one of the victims. And the mom comes and spits in his face and lets her know that it's his fault that her son is dead. And uh, now this all about the pretty much the superhero community is getting Tied up and all of this and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, Johnny Storm gets jumped um, at, at at a club yeah. and all the <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. Um, and then all the superheroes are kind of getting together and trying to decide what's going to be the their next step. Yeah. Um, and then the superhero uh, registration act goes into effect. So <laughs> it, it is what it is from there. You know, you got your people who sign, you got your people who run. I think some things, like, didn't really work. I think Punisher kind of running around after the team in a ski mask, that was strange. Yeah. Uh, I did appreciate that when he, like, kind of came into the group, Monica Rambo was basically like, what are you doing here? She was dragging him the entire time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was she's not a fan. And this, how did you feel about the Spider-Man reveal when Peter Parker, like, revealed some identity to everybody? Obviously... The people who knew him, it was a big deal to them. But okay, I I remember now anyway. It's it uh, is okay. It's whatever with him revealing. Actually, now that I'm looking back at it, um, it it's kind of rough because the way they had to walk that back sucks. Uh, because that the way they walk this one back is where you get the one more day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I know you don't like Spider Man, but I'm sure that you've heard. Yeah. About one more day being the event that like really kind of changed things for Spidey. <laughs> um, so at but at the time though, I remember reading it and thinking, holy shit, this is gonna like <laughs> really change a lot for Spider-Man because a lot of his stories and problems are all pretty much bent on yeah. or depend on him and his like secret identity. And uh, so I thought that that was such a huge huge thing to happen because that's been such a secret you know for for everyone were you um were you like following the spider-man books after this event yeah i was do do you feel like the the aftermath was done well yeah uh um aunt may got killed like (laughs) (laughs) just just like he said in you know in the beginning of the civil war where he was like you know, I, my secret identity is important to me. And um, Sue, my girl, was like, 
you know, secret identities have never been that big of an issue for uh, the Fantastic Four. Maybe it's not going to be that big of a problem for you. Oh, and he says, yeah, that's that's great until you like until I show up and the vulture is outside of my house. And sure enough, after this, Aunt May got like seriously hurt <laughs> and people were like stalking their home. And that's kind of what got the whole one more day thing going. All right. Oh, dang. Poor Spidey. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Sue, she had, like, some nice moments throughout this. This was a good little thing for her. Yes. Like, <laughs> the, the, the moments with her and Reed and kind of, like, being upset about him, like, being involved in whatever with the robot Hulk. I mean, right now, excuse me, not robot Hulk, robot Thor. And her, like, walking out on him, but still, like, leaving the note to be like, this is why. And yeah, like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why, like, and I'm going to go do this. And it's like, when you get your head together, then I'll come back and not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know that, like, I know you and like a lot of other people don't read a lot of Fantastic Four stuff, but Sue is my like number one favorite Marvel character. And I was excited for this, for this reread because she does have a pretty great showcasing in this. And it shows like her personality in this, which is she's gonna ride for her man, yes. But like even he doesn't make the the smartest decisions. She doesn't stand by them just because she makes. She's not. She's not gonna follow her okay, him around. Not. <laughs> I feel like you're about to say a name. No, I'm just saying you're you know, about to say a name right there, and like you just kind of stop yourself. Who is she not like? <laughs> You know, she's not like other characters who are just kind of following their partners oh. around. Oh. Yeah. Um, she got to make to figure out who that is. She <laughs> she makes her own decisions, and but that's that's still her husband, you know. Yeah. But that don't mean she can't like walk up on out him. And I also liked the fact that their the note that she left for him also kind of shows you their relationship because she knows how logical he is. And, like, that he wouldn't understand, like, uh, some stuff or whatever because he is thinking so logically. Because for him, the Registration Act makes sense, right? Because, like, it's just logic. And I appreciate the fact that she left the note for him and broke down everything of what she did. You know, the the food and uh, the sex and all of that and why why everything was happening. No, it's not us working things out. It's... You know, this is good for the immune system. <laughs> um, and yeah, this affected the Fantastic Four as well after this uh, post-Civil War. Sue didn't just, you know... Come back. Come back. It wasn't just like, a, oh, the great, they're back together again kind of thing like some people do. But I think they, they like... They, they left. They left the team. Sue... Uh, and Reed went on like a second honeymoon, I think is what they tried to call it or something like that, where they kind of went on their own. And um, Storm and Black Panther joined it. This is when they joined the team. Oh, okay, okay. I do remember when they joined up with the team. That's when um, that's when Thing asked Storm if her hair was a weave. <laughs> yes. <I remember>. That was... <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I do remember that. Um... They, and they left for a while. And again, it wasn't like a, we need to just, you know, be shown on one page making up again. They like had to work some things out because she didn't like the way that he was a fascist. Okay. Uh, 
I think she says it in Civil War too, like you know, his fascist like ideas. Um, how did you feel about like we kind of got some moments where the heroes were turning, like people were switching sides. Obviously, like Sue and Johnny went to the uh, anti-registration side. We saw that Tigra was a mole for the pro-registration side. And um, were there any of the ones who jumped that kind of shocked you? Uh, no, that actually all kind of fit, in my opinion, especially with Tigra. <laughs> um, hey, she's awful. Yeah, that kind of makes sense for me with her. Um, and uh, Johnny and Sue obviously made sense because uh, they, you know, kind of think for themselves. So, yeah, I think for the most part, everybody's the, the people who switch sides, it made sense. I think the only side switch that didn't stick with me was Cable. When Punisher joined up with the anti-registration side, like he was one of the people, like, "Oh, Punisher's here." Something, I don't know. He made like some weird comment about like how he was kind of scared or like something was scary. Or they just, and I was just like, "That doesn't sound like Cable. Like Cable would not go and work with Iron Man in this particular thing." So that one was very odd to me. Uh, Cable even being involved in this was weird to me. I don't understand why he was there. <laughs> Miller just wanted to write him some cable. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> but that was really cool. I liked seeing the young Avengers up in there. And kind oh, yeah, of, Wiccan. That was Wiccan was doing his thing. Cloak looked really good also. I really kind of want them to make Cloak a mutant again. Mm-hmm. His teleporter. He could be cool in Way of X with the other teleporters. Come on. Come on. Get in there. <laughs> I, I see the vision. Um, every fight that Captain America was in was giving. From the first one when he broke out of uh, the helicarrier, when S.H.I.E.L.D. was trying to take him down, his first fight with Iron Man, when he was like fighting in the big battle with all the heroes again, the second fight with Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's also one thing that I will say that this event did like, if you are a Cat fan, oh yeah, it gave you some good, like Tony, honestly, he won at the end of the day. Like, yeah. Uh, he was being made a fool of the entire time. <laughs> like, yeah. Steve was always one step ahead of him. He like even when they were talking about Tigra and her being a mole, he was like, We already know. <laughs> and, <he was> like, <laughs> and I love what he said that she was just saying that she was like, What? It was like, yeah. yeah, we already know that she's like lying to us. We actually have someone on our side, on your side, and that's what they show hopefully. Um, you know, he was been posing as giant man, so like that was a great like if you're a cat fan, you see why Steve Rogers is like that guy. Yeah. And I love that for me. I I did like the joke or running gag of uh, the gateway, not the gateway, the prison or whatever, being 42. Oh, you know about 42 being like the answers to life? Really? Yeah. So like in, um, I think it was in actual science, there's like a question of like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna get too nerdy with this, but like, there's like a question of like how answering these cubes and the answer is 42. But in like, um, in media and literature, I think it was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think it was where the a character is asked a question of what's the answer to the universe, and they answer 42. And it's if you notice in all of Marvel comics. That's the answer to every like that's everywhere. Forty two is the number of the spider that uh, Miles Morales got bitten in. Forty two is the name of the um, 
detention center that they, that Reed Richards built. Like if you look in this, if mm-hmm. if you look in the background for stuff, forty two is there. Yeah. Okay, fun. Fun fact. Yeah. It's supposed okay. to be like the answer to life, but it's a running gag in Marvel. And I think that um, you remember when Bendis, whenever anyone would get arrested in his books, and they would go to that a precinct. And, and like somebody always thinks they're Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. would mention that too, and being like, they're mm-hmm. gonna put cell forty two. Y'all know that's the answer to life. Like, yeah. I gotta go back and read some of those then. Okay. That's a fun fact. Um, Civil War. What would you rate Civil War now? What did you rate it back then, and what did you rate it now? Back then, I would have given it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I probably agree with you there. If not a ten out of ten, I remember, I remember, like, I was like, what, fifteen when this came out, and I was like, oh hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And like Sue was giving in this too. I was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I would probably put it up there now. I would put it much lower, only because again. We lost a lot of like character moments. We have a lot of characters standing around and talking, but nobody's really saying anything, and nothing. And nobody outside of Cap and Iron Man really feels distinct enough to make a difference to the story. Um, I probably give it like a six now. The art is still giving, mm-hmm. like everything. I think again, when the action is done, it's done extremely well. It feels brutal. I think about the scene when. Spider-Man was finally switching sides and like leaving Iron Man and they're like he has the uh, guys chasing him in the sewers and they're like attacking him. I was like, oh, this feels brutal. I was like, I really feel for Peter Parker right now. Like he's getting his little ass beat. Um, so that just like the art carries the story completely. So that's yeah, it does. I would give it like a seven point five now. Mm-hmm. Um, I still enjoy the story. The art carries it a lot. Um, but kind of like you said that the the main story doesn't really give you a lot outside of it just being very beautiful and the action moments. Um, but kind of like what we said earlier while we were on our um, panel talking about events, this did what I liked, which was there was the main event and then there were the tie-ins on the outside, which give you the meat of the story, while the main event is still solid. And, and so I, I see that, and I think that's kind of why... Um... Because that's the Fantastic Four tie-ins were good as hell. I'm yeah, not going to lie. <laughs> they were, a lot of them were good. But I think that's actually why I take this one down a little bit. Because I feel like in this one, I would have at least maybe enjoyed a passing conversation or something. I feel like some things would happen sometimes that the fallout of it was in the tie-in series. So yeah. we get it in the main series. So it, it feels awkward when you're just reading that on its own. So it's like you're kind of like jumping from point to point. It's just like, oh, how did we get here? <laughs> Um, also, how did you feel about Goliath in this? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think that there needed to be a hero death in this, um, but I understand the weight of everything that was happening because of the clone Thor that is the thing that's doing it. So you have to really show that the registration side is getting out of hand with not only with this clone but like now they have killed someone the clone has killed someone so they're responsible for that um i just wish it didn't have to be goliath <laughs> i yeah, mean damn i gotta kill a black there's man there's a lot of um 
There's also a lot of pro cop propaganda <laughs> through this. <laughs> you know, um, Marvel loves their military propaganda, or whatever. And um, Marvel was like, Marvel. I mean, Miller was really kind of throwing this like pro cop when Goliath's wife meets up with Iron Man, and she was like, "Oh, Goliath knew what he was doing was wrong. Like, if he was some thug on the street waving the." gun at a cop he should expect to get shot and i was just like what oh yeah that was the woman whose son died who gave that speech to him and i was like oh that one was goliath's wife because the woman came in the beginning when she spit in his face but this was actually at goliath's funeral oh this, i thought that was yeah was that the same woman i thought that was the same woman um, it's not it might have been i thought it was the same woman um but it just, I mean, even so, it just felt it, it, there's a lot of pro, uh, pro cop propaganda happening through this story. Yeah. And yeah. They, <laughs> they win. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah, I, I look. It's her name was Miss Sharp. It was the same woman. Like, now why does she even come to his funeral? <laughs> <laughs> huh? That makes sense. Why? Why? Are you, just devs for that pop back. That, that just that just to tell us that. Just to tell us, just to tell us that Goliath deserves to die. <laughs> like literally, like she just popped up to tell us, oh yeah, he deserves to die. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Child. Now as the, as an adult, it's not as great as it was when I was a kid. <laughs> what I plainly say, but um. McNiven's art is, is fantastic and it really carries that story. So I, I still give it like a solid seven. Well, not in seven, but <laughs> solid. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to uh, the end of the show. I hope you guys really loved uh, Civil War. Catch us <laughs> next week where we'll be watching the movie um, and tune into our social media accounts because I might just do like a Instagram live or something where we could hang out before watching it or something. We'll see. Tune into that. Yeah. Or to, yeah, do some Twitter spaces that we could talk about it after the movie. Uh, be on the lookout for that information. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can find us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV. You can find, send us emails, all that kind of stuff. Anything you want to get us to know, uh, any questions, concerns, relaunches you may want us to read, ideas you got. Um, send it to at another relaunch at gmail.com. You can find me at Uncanny LZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Keenan Lance. You know, it's got the underscore at the end. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here. We'll catch y'all next week. Peace.